Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, Kerry Combs is back, and he is already planting flags. I love it. He's on Twitter. You know, some people call him the hashtag king. Um, I'm fired up about this. We'll talk more about exactly what his role is. I know there's some confusion about that in a minute, but just having Kerry Combs back. The man is coaches in the AFC Championship game backs. Takes one day off, which was a holiday, and is back working yesterday, hitting the recruiting trail. I love it. Not even surprised, but I love it. Yeah, he's uh, certainly tireless, isn't he? Uh, this is fun because this is one of those new hires where you don't actually need to, like, you know, learn anything about the guy because you already know pretty much everything about him. He's an insanely good recruiter. The kids love him. He's got like, he's got the energy of like the most excitable drunken fan at like a tailgate, except he's like a sober coach. So, you know, I think Kerry Combs is immediately shifting back to being everybody's favorite coach. Uh, he was during the Meyer era when he was here. And the, the truth is, is that this is a guy who is uh, as good a recruiter as there is. He's a guy who knows how to coach defensive backs. That's for damn sure. I mean, look at all the first-round picks that came out of here during his time at Ohio State. So, needless to say, uh, the Kerry Combs era part due is going to be excellent in terms of all that stuff. And now some people are going to say, oh, well, how's this going to affect game planning? How's the defense going to be in the field? You know, we're all a little scarred by some uh, questionable coordinator choices in the last few years on both sides of the football. But, again, this is a guy who is intimately known to everybody at OSU. So I, I, I think this is, a, this is a classic case of both parties missed each other. OSU said, let's pay this guy a lot more money. And Kerry Combs said, I'll come back to college because, you know, in the end, I think I really miss recruiting. So this is a great marriage for everybody. I'm, I'm excited to have him back. And like I said, there's some confusion regarding his role, who's in charge of the defense and all that. Let's clear that up. Um, it's just like what it was with Jeff Halfley and Greg Madison. They're really on equal footing is what I've been told by everybody. It's just that Kerry does not have the title of co-defensive coordinator like Halfley did. He just has the title of defensive coordinator. So instead of having one guy with the title of defensive coordinator, 
which was Madison and still is Madison. You have two guys that have the title of defensive coordinator, instead of having one with Coe and one with defensive coordinator. So that's, you know, it's really not that complicated. It's just if you can look beyond the titles, they're basically co-defensive coordinators. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what they are. They, they're on equal footing. Kerry's really going to take care of, you know, the secondary, and he's going to be the guy calling plays when they think it's a passing situation. Greg Madison's taking care of, you know, the front seven. He's going to be calling the plays when they feel like it's a running play. They're going to collaborate like heck. So those that are confused, don't be. It's just like it was last year. Kerry Combs, Greg Madison on equal footing. And it worked out pretty well, like, for the Buckeyes last year doing that backs. I'm curious. I want you to comment on that, obviously. I'm also curious to see what's going to happen. Jeff Hafley loved being up in the box. He said, you know, a very sterile environment. You can just you feel like, you know, you can just block everything out and make the calls. Kerry Combs is a guy that likes being on the field. Greg Madison's also been a guy that likes being on the field. I think one of them has to be up in the box, you know, and probably Kerry Combs, which he might not want to do that. Um, but uh, just yeah, unpack all that for me, if you would, sir. Well, if you're going to put one of the two in the box, it has to be Madison. Kerry Combs would be so loud that, like, the, the press box people down the way from would be able to hear him. Let's be honest. That's, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that, that's, I don't even have words for that. Kerry Combs not on the sideline is implausible to me. So I think by default it has to be Madison. But I agree with you. You have to have one of your voices of authority up top. You can't just have an empty press box with nobody being able to see the big picture on things. So I, I, I think at that point, you know, that, that, that's a bit of a question. And every time we hear about, well, who's going to be in the press box, everybody has nasty flashbacks to Warner and Beck, who's in the press box, who's on the sideline, right? Um, but I, I do think that I wouldn't be surprised if Madison was the one up in the box. He's he's not the same emotional fireball that Kerry Combs is on the sidelines, plain and simple. And, uh, you know, the truth is, is Madison's guys that he works with, the position coaches are all going to already be down there on the field. you got LJ down there, you know? You're going to have those guys down there working with their guys. So I, I, I think you're going to see Madison as the one up in the box. I, 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 I have a lot of trouble imagining Kerry Combs not being a guy on the sidelines with his demeanor and disposition. Uh, as for the collaboration part, look, you never know how, how a collaboration is going to work, right? Uh, you, you, you just don't, right? How many super groups have we seen where all the different musicians are amazing and the band sucks? But – I do think there's a process in place from last year, the Halfley and uh, Madison collaboration. That's going to be the same blueprint. They're going to plug in carry. And like I just was talking about with the whole press box thing, there's going to be some differences. But I think the general format should still be pretty darn good. And in the end, let's not forget, this is what Ryan Day wants the defense to do, right? He's already talked about how he's going to play the one high safety plan still as long as they have the personnel. So, I think you're going to see a setup here where you're going to have two guys who know what they're doing together. You have two guys that aren't unfamiliar with each other. I'm optimistic that the pairing will work out, and I think that the process to get to this point is certainly a, a, a good one. So the, the, let's put it this way. The best solution was never to lose Jeff Halfley. Obviously that wasn't going to happen. As far as secondary plans go, Knowing what we know today in, in January of 2020, this seems like it certainly is one of the, if not the best, alternative options for losing Jeff Halfley. 
And it also looks like Cam Martinez, who was kind of floating out there in the wind for a while, we weren't sure what he was going to do. Now, Bax, I'll be shocked if he's not a Buckeye. I mean, it sounds like he was already trending that way anyway. And Ryan Day was obviously telling the recruits, you know, you can't say anything, but Kerry Combs is going to be the next coach. So they've known for a while. Um, but, you know, from everything that I've been reading, it certainly seems like Cam Martinez will be signing with the Buckeyes here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, this whole Kerry Combs thing has been a wink-wink, nod-nod thing. I think everybody's known that it's happening. But due to NFL tampering rules and all kinds of other stuff, because, you know, the NFL doesn't want anything that can mess up the gamblers. Um, we weren't able to talk about this yet. But I think with Cam Martinez, you're going to see that this is what he was hoping to have confirmed. I think he's going to have his meeting with Kerry Combs. By the way, where does Kerry Combs recruit really well? His backyard. Let's be real honest. That's Kerry Combs' best place to recruit that's not Ohio. So – I think Cam Martinez is strongly trending towards becoming a Buckeye. And by strongly trending, I mean I'd be very surprised if he signed somewhere else. You know, and there's a lot of scuttlebutt that Northwestern is. I said this whenever he chose not to sign. There's a kid who made a prudent decision to make sure that what he was being told was factual. He was being told, hey, I'm going to hire somebody great, probably Kerry Combs. And the kid said, I want to see who my new coach is going to be because I had such a great relationship with the other one. And that's absolutely the logical thing to do as that kid. You absolutely cannot one iota blame Cam Martin for what he has done. And now that we're seeing what Ryan Day told him was essentially turning out to be true, now that he's time to sit and sort of analyze, guess what? Everything that he was hoping would be reality is now reality. So to me, I think there's zero reason to doubt that Cam Martinez will be a Buckeye. And again, some people are saying, ah, he's a slot receiver. He's not a he's not a defensive back or whatever. Well, guys, I think that the, the staff has a plan for him. Let, let's put him on camp and see what happens, right? I mean, whenever we recruited Darren Lee, a lot of people were like, where the heck is he going to play? Safety? Worked out pretty well for OSU. So this is a this is a good one, and this is also the last one for this class because of numbers. So let's get him here. Let's let's get him signed, and uh, let's let's get Kerry Combs moving on the recruiting trail for the next rounds of classes coming to Ohio State. Speaking of the 2020 class, 14 of the 24 signees have already enrolled, um, and K. Martinez will make he'll make the 25th signee. But 14 have already enrolled, the highest number ever at Ohio State, including all four wide receivers from this. Stunningly amazing wide receiver class. Uh, you know, Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith, G. Scott, Mookie Cooper. Um, obviously, Julian Fleming is the number one wide receiver in the country, um, number two overall player in the country. Um, you know, he's had the most hype, and, and rightfully so, but all four of these guys are really, really, really good. Um, in addition to Fleming, I'm assuming you're very excited about Fleming. I mean, who do you think is going to have uh, the biggest impacts right away as true freshmen out of, that, uh, out of those four wide receivers? Well, I think it's a little bit of guesswork because they're all so darn good. I mean, let's be real here. This is one of the craziest early enroll classes we've ever seen. I mean, 14 kids is nuts. By the way, both of the quarterbacks are early enrollees, unless I'm mistaken. So you're going to have them in adding an attempt to uh, to uh, unseat Gunnar Hoke for the backup spot. That that alone is fascinating when you're talking about 2021. You know us Bucknutters, we're always the sort of people who are wondering who the third-string tight end is going to be in the 2022 season. So. Uh, with these receivers, though, you have two, maybe three guys currently on campus who I think are going to be on the field for sure before they all arrive. 
and that's Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and probably Jamison Williams, right? After that, it is wide open. For a place that loves to play as many as six or seven receivers, it's going to be fascinating to see. And each of them bring something a little bit different. Obviously, Fleming's the kind of guy who's like Garrett Wilson was last year. He's a can't-miss kind of player. But Smith Nigba and Guy Scott both are five-star caliber kids, too. I mean, this is one of the most insane, if not the most insane, recruiting classes of receivers we've ever seen. And by the way, Mookie Cooper, the guy who, let's be real here, he didn't play his senior year. He's kind of an enigma right now. We all know how good he could be. But what if he came in and treated his senior year of high school like a redshirt freshman year? What if his physical conditioning's off the charts? He's a guy who could come in and be challenging a guy like Jalen Gill for an H-back role, as well as competing for time at receiver. So this is a talented, talented group. No question about it. And I, I think this is going to be one of the more fun spring football games to watch because spring football always trends a bit more towards the passing game, right? They don't want to get into the, 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 the dirt with the contact on these guys. They don't want to get linemen hurt. They don't want to get a, a running back with a twisted ankle or a banged-up shoulder in the spring any more than they absolutely have to. So we're going to get to see not only these young receivers, but we're going to see how C.J. Stroud, we're going to see how Jack Miller does throwing them the football. Because let's face it, Justin Fields isn't going to spend a ton of time in the spring game either. Pretty sure we know who the starter is. Pretty sure we're confident he can throw the football well. So it's going to be one of those forward-looking spring games that also is going to have a pretty big effect on this fall because – you have to think at least two or three of these kids are going to get a significant amount of playing time. And next year's wide receiver class at OSU is going to be the youngest one I can remember. But it also might be in Holmes, Hartline, Gonzalez, all those guys. I mean, this receiver class at Ohio State right now. I want to close the show talking about the right tackle battle. Um, Nicholas Petit Ferrer will get first crack at it as a third-year sophomore. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he was in the hunt as a redshirt freshman and gave Brandon Bowen a good battle. He even started a game um, for the Buckeyes this past year when Bowen was banged up. Um, so that was good for NPF to get that start and, and get some playing time, get that experience. But I tell you what, there's a guy on the roster that is not going to go down without a fight for that job, and that's Dewan Jones. And, uh, man, Dewan Jones, to me, has a very bright future. And we keep waiting. Is, is NPF going to put on enough weight? Is he going to get strong enough? Well, no one's worried about Dewan Jones if he's big enough. So is he too big? I don't think he's too big. I, I like the way he – I mean, he's already lost like 30 pounds or something since he enrolled. Um, he already had good feet being a great basketball player. I mean, I'm pretty high on Dewan Jones, but NPF was the number one offensive tackle recruit in the country in the 2018 class. Good problems to have, and I'm not, you know, Paris Johnson's also coming in, but I'm just, a, I'm assuming backs Paris Johnson is going to be the backup left tackle to Thayer Munford. But at right tackle, if it comes down to NPF and Dewan Jones, how do you think that might shake out? Well, you hit the nail on the head about how they're totally different body types, right? NPF is the kid where we're like, man, can eat a sandwich, you know? Whereas Dewan Jones is like they're dieting and he's on like the keto diet and fasting and everything to get himself down to a, a proper weight. And, uh, you know, if you get one of those guys who's already a good basketball player, had good feet at a really heavy weight, and he loses enough of it and he's still more than big enough to be a, uh, a mauler, how mobile is he going to be? I mean, that's tackle feet we're talking about. And if you want to know how high the staff was on him, they literally actively chose not to redshirt him because they thought he was so important as a backup. Think about that. They said, we're going to play him if we need to play him. That says a lot about how they feel about the Juan Jones. And like we've seen in the past, there's been history of 
offensive tackles coming out of college that were lower recruits going into school. And then there were the kids who either had the – they were the basketball players, right? They were the tight ends, and they got their bodies right. So you see two ways that this works out. And a guy like DeWan Jones, being as mobile as he was before losing weight to get to a more playable weight, he's going to tell you a lot about how much of just a freak this guy could end up being. So it's going to be very interesting to watch because both these guys are young guys, right? Uh, you, you've got a guy in, in NPF who he's been around, it seems like, forever, right? But he, he's still got technically three more years here if he wants to. So if he's added the weight, I think he's got the edge right now. But, man, it's going to be really interesting to watch. And this may be another really good example of having good problems, right? I, 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 I know I, I say this a lot, but I, I'm still not over the days of when our of linemen, our tackles were interchangeable with our centers. You remember that back the day like 10 years ago where we had like, you prayed that five linemen on the field didn't get hurt because you didn't know if you had a feasible backup and your backup tackle was your backup center? I mean, we're looking at a lot now where we're talking about having two underclassmen, like high-level right tackles competing for this job. Because I think it's safe to say after watching NPF, he's going to be fine to, to even good. And if we're talking about DeWan Jones competing with him, it's because DeWan Jones just might end up being better, not because we just have to get a warm body on the field who you hope doesn't get your quarterback murdered. There's no let's kick out a guard to play right tackle. There's no, hey, maybe uh, maybe Max Ray can play right tackle because we're screwed, right? No, you actually have depth on this line. And that's a good thing. I, like, I, I said this last year, I thought the O-line was going to end up being really good. I'm not really fearful of the O-line this year either. I think there's a lot of talent back. I, I think what, that's what we're looking at right now. Think about this. Two open spots. And right now my front runners for both of those are five-star recruits coming out of high school in Harry Miller and NPF. That's really good problems to have. So it really puts it in a nice little encapsulation of how much talent is on this OSU team right now. And, you know, whoever wins the job, Dave, I think they're going to do a great job because – I think you're talking about two players competing who the staff would feel comfortable playing either. It's which one's just going to be better. And that's a big difference than just hoping to find somebody you could put on the field and not be praying for your quarterback to not get murdered. Yeah, no question about it. And if they're both playing well in camp, you know, you could even rotate them early in the year, get both of them some playing time so you settle in on one starter. And I'm, I'm with you at left guard, too. I think it's Harry Miller. If he's not a lock, he's really close to a lock to be the starter. He's a lock in my book. And then he'll take over as a starting center after Josh Myers goes pro. And, it, yeah, it's huge. I, I'm really bullish on the O line. Getting, I thought they might lose one of the three that could have left early, Thayer Mumford, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, to get all three of those guys back. Just absolutely huge. And, yeah, you're going to plug in either two five-star guys or one five-star guy and another guy who was very, very, very underrated and will probably be an NFL player for years to come in DeWan Jones. So this Buckeye offensive line in 2020 I think is going to be really good despite losing Jonah Jackson and Brandon Bowen. Great stuff as always from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Really appreciate it, Bax. You can catch his column every Sunday, the award-winning Bucket of Bullets, must-read material. Thanks again to Bax, and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. I hope everyone has a great day. Let's have that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land.
want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.